Let's go to the word of the Lord, if you will, tonight with me. Amen. To the book of 1 Samuel chapter 5, and verse number 1. Amen. I want to thank everyone for coming out to the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. We are in church moving forward. Amen. We don't, we don't talk about retreat. Amen. We don't talk about quitting. We don't talk about giving up. Amen. We are going forward. We're going higher. Amen. We're, we're, we're moving forward in God tonight. Amen. First Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 1. And we'll jump around just a little bit tonight. First Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when day of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And then uh, moving over to chapter 6. Amen. This is uh, continuing on the story of the, the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, as it was resting in the land of the Philistines. And verse Number one of chapter six says, And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If ye send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty. But in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then ye shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. And jumping over to verse number 6. Amen. Verse number 6. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaohs hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? Now therefore make a new cart and take two milk kind. Everybody say milk cows. Milk cows. The Bible calls it milk on which there hath come no yoke and tie the kine or the cows to the ark and bring their calves home from them or their babies amen that were dependent upon them and take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put the jewels of gold which ye returned him for a trespass offering in a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that he may go that it may go and see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he hath done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that, hath, that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, and they took the two milk cows and tied them to the cart and shut up their babies at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds and the kind took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went and turned not aside and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left and the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh and they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Amen. I'm not going to preach about this thought here a moment. But in verse 13, it was those that were in the field working. Amen. That discovered, amen, the newfound presence of God in their lives. Amen. And how many times, amen, as we just simply engage in the work of God. Amen. That we discover a presence of God that we have never known before in our lives. But I want to preach for a few moments tonight on this simple thought. Cows with a higher purpose. Cows with a higher purpose. Amen. Could you set your Bibles aside and let's ask the Lord to talk to us today for a few moments. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you for the beautiful people of God that have come tonight, God. And it is my prayer, Lord, that you would enable me, God, as the man of God, to preach your word. 
I pray, God, that you would give me that old anointing, God, of the prophets of old. Let that old anointing, God, of the patriarchs before me set upon me tonight, God, to preach your word. Let that anointing, God, at that moment in time of this service shift, God, from the pulpit to the pew to the chairs where we're sitting, God, that there would be a heavenly response in our hearts tonight that would propel us yet forward again. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Cows with a higher purpose. In the species that's called elephants, an entire family group brings up the tiniest members of the herd. African elephants roam the savannas as herds of females led by a matriarch. Amen. Elephants live for up to 70 years and females produce a new calf every three or four years. And their pregnancies are incredibly long. In fact, it's almost two years for the elephant in the time of pregnancy. Amen. So us or the women in the church ought to thank God. So ours, there's only nine months. Amen. The elephants have it for two years. And in times of danger, group parenting comes into its own as all the older elephants form an outward facing circle when under threat. And they keep the vulnerable calf protected in the middle. In other words, the elephant kingdom, the elephant world, uh, they go to great lengths uh, and they, they group together to protect the one baby elephant. It's in the nature of the elephant, the, the animal that's the elephant, that it's in their nature to protect the young. It's, a, it's an animal instinct within these elephants that they, to, that they should protect the young and preserve the life of that baby elephant. And they'll do whatever it takes. In fact, they will come against lions. They'll face off with lions and they'll face off with hyenas and jackals and every other wild beast of the, of the wilderness to protect the young baby elephant. They have that instinct within them to do that. And there is an instinct within other animals uh, to protect their young. In fact, as uh, I was reading up on it, and this is according to a recent article in the BBC, a, a black lace weaver spider mother. Amen. How many love spiders? Amen. How many kids love spiders? Amen. Do I got any kids' attention tonight? Spiders. Amen. There's a particular spider, believe it or not. There's a particular spider that the mother will switch on her baby's cannibalistic instinct by pushing down on the top of her spiderlings, which then devour her. In other words, the mother spider, it's so that her baby's her baby spiders can live. Amen. She'll actually push herself upon her, her baby spiderlings and so that their cannibalistic nature will begin to work and they will eat their mother that they can live. The, in other words, the mother gives her life that the children, the, the babies can have new life. And that's an instinct that is there in different animals uh, that is there to it's there to protect the young. It's there to to help nourish the young and they do anything in their power to to protect them and to keep them alive. Uh, in this article, there's a, a scorpion mother that will similarly, similarly sacrifice herself. And if she fails to find her babies some food, she actually will expose her juicy joints to allow them to suck their mother dry and kill her. And the mother, the mother uh, insects, scorpions in this particular example, they will give themselves that their, their young can have life. It's in the instinct of the mother uh, in the animal kingdom to, to do anything that they can, everything in their power to protect their young lives and to, uh, to see their lives grow up and have a full life. And they will give themselves for the, the young. The third example or fourth example is a four meter long giant Pacific octopus. Amen. How many ever ate octopus? Amen. I tried it one time. A little chewy. Amen. But uh, I did it. But the octopus, the largest octopus species in the world, the giant Pacific octopus, lays and tends to one 
super brood of about 100,000 eggs. The octopus will produce this one in particular, 100,000 eggs. And so dedicated are these mothers to their eggs that they are carefully caressing them to keep them clean and supplied with oxygen. That they have no chance to feed or look after themselves. The giant Pacific octopus will just spend all of her waking days, all of her moments of her life, once she produces the eggs, uh, just caring for the baby octopus, caring for the eggs. And she won't even look out for herself for food or to, or to take care of herself or she doesn't go on expeditions and scavenger hunts. She, uh, at that particular juncture of her life, she recognized and she realized that my sole purpose in life is that the young that I produce are going to be able to come to, uh, and they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to, uh, to grow up and have a full life. And that mother octopus will spend all of her waking days to safeguard them. And after six months of dedicating themselves solely to safeguarding their eggs, the mothers die once the eggs hatch. The giant Pacific octopus is, however, not the record holder for dedicated brooding. One deep sea octopus was recorded guarding her eggs for four years and five months in a Pacific Ocean canyon off our Californian coast here. The scientists who observed her from a submarine said it was likely she didn't eat anything for this entire time. And I'm saying, giving you some of these examples to show you that it is in the instinct of these particular animals in the animal kingdom that they will do anything and everything in their power to see that the young is able to have a full life, that they're able to grow up and they're able to be nurtured, they're able to uh, be taken care of. And even today, amen, we have with us beautiful Lene Rose. And I can guarantee you, if somebody walked in here tonight and they were trying to steal babies and they came from mine, I would probably put the microphone down I would probably charge them. And no doubt you would do the same if it was your babies. Amen. I can guarantee if someone came here and tried to take Wesley Hoyle, you'd see Brother Josh raise up in a quick second and begin to take care of business. And it's, it's, in the, it's in our nature, it's in our instinct that we're to take care of our babies. We're to take care of our children. And we have here in the Word of God a profile of a particular set of cows, milk cows, if you will, uh, the the uh, presence of the milk cows in the lives of the baby calves was necessary for their sustenance, necessary for their life. If the milk cows, amen, had uh, as such we read about in the word of God, these milk cows had to leave home, amen, the baby calves would suffer starvation and they would perhaps die unless they found somebody else to provide for them. And in the nature of the, the cow even uh, was there to, to take care and to nourish the young uh, calves. These cows that the Bible lets us to know about in 1 Samuel, these were, if you will, cows that have never been yoked up before. These are cows that never knew what it was like to have a yoke put upon them. If you want to know what a yoke is uh, upon a cow, amen, you maybe you're a young person thinking... Somebody actually broke an egg over them? No. It's not a yoke as a broken egg put upon a cow. But a yoke that the Bible talks about is, if you will, probably bigger than a 4x4 four four or maybe an 8x8 eight eight piece of wood. A heavy piece of wood. And perhaps you stepped out the side, the front door, you look over the, the road, you would see the railroad there. And they have those big, big blocks of wood. If any time you're deciding to feel to test your strength, go try to pick one up. See how heavy that is. It's a weight that you don't want to have to bear on your shoulder. And these cows, these motherly milk cows, amen, they had yoke such as the, the big pieces of wood that we have out the front door. They were placed upon these mother cows. And they uh, had not known the feeling of that before. Uh, if you've ever been around... Uh, Livestock. I have limited experience with some livestock, but I've heard enough to know that you don't want to try and hop on the back of a wild horse. Amen. You want to leave that for the professionals. Amen. To tame a wild horse or a mustang. And, and I don't know exactly what went on in the mind of these cows as they placed that yoke upon them. And the Bible says that the young calves, 
Amen. We're not just left to kind of wander around and follow the mother cows. Amen. But the young calves were in fact tied up or they were pinned into a place at home. The young calves, amen, were placed at home and they were and the mother cows, the mother cows, they knew where the babies were at. And the Bible says that in in this particular story in first Samuel, that the Philistines, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And because they had the Ark of the Covenant and they were not covenant people, they were encountering many, many difficulties, severe difficulties. Not just in their own church houses, but also in their bodies. Amen. The Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant in their in their land, and it was causing their god Dagon, Amen, to continue to fall on its face, bowing down towards the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. The gods of this world are still no match for the God that we serve tonight. Amen. And the Philistines, they soon learned that. And it didn't stop there with the God of heaven. Amen. Amen. Uh, asserting his uh, preeminence of power over Dagon, the false god. But, amen, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that was resident in the Ark of the Covenant, amen, furthermore began to cause uh, tumors to begin to come forth on the bodies of the Philistines. Amen. Cancer is probably one of the scariest things that you and I, amen, uh, have a fear of. Amen. Nobody wants to get cancer. Amen. When you get the death sentence or you get the you get the prognosis that you've got cancer, it's a death sentence many times. And you begin to cry and weep and think, I, I don't want to have I don't want to die of cancer with no hair and die frail. And I don't want that. But the Bible says that because of the uh, people, the Philistines were not covenant people. They had the ark of God. Amen. They began to develop tumors on their body. And God was ripping vengeance upon the Philistine people. Amen. And the Philistines, they realize we're not covenant people and we're not going to come into covenant relationship with God. Amen. They refuse to submit to the ways of God. They refuse to live for God. So they had one other choice. If they're not going to submit to God, amen, to kick the presence of God out of their lives. Amen. And I pity the people, amen, tonight that determine, amen, my own selfish pleasures are more important than the presence of God in my life. Amen. I want to tell somebody today the most important thing in your life is not feeling good on a Friday night. The most important thing in your life, amen, is not some quick high or some quick 30 second pleasure in a backseat of a car. Amen. But the best thing in life, the most important thing in life is do you have the presence of God in your life? Hallelujah. Can we clap our hands and worship Him right now? God, I want the presence of the Lord in my life. I want it done in my home. I want it done in my family. I want it done in our church. I want the presence of God in my life. Amen. And the Philistine people, they kicked out, they, if you will, the presence of God. They said the Ark of the Covenant, it's got to go. Amen. We don't want God, amen, mocking our gods. We don't want God, amen, punishing us for our sinful ways. We just want to kick God out of our midst. And the Bible says that the Philistine uh, leaders, they came together and they said, how are we going to get rid of the presence of God? How are we going to get rid of the Ark of the Covenant? What should we do? What test could we do that we'll know that it's God punishing us or it's just happenstance, it's just by chance? And they said that a couple, a few of the people began to get together. They said, we have a solution. What we need to do is we need to build a new cart. We need to create a scenario, amen, by which nature will tell you it shouldn't happen. But if it's God, Amen. It will defy the laws of nature. And we need to get two motherly milk cows. Amen. That are looking out for the best of their 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 young calves. And we need to find these uh, some some mothers with some children. And we need to put them put a yoke upon the back of the motherly cows cows. And we need to uh, uh, fill up the Ark of the Covenant with some some jewels, uh, some gold. Uh, and some treasure as a trespass offering for the sins that we've committed uh, to, to appease the God of the Hebrews. And they so they said, let's get two motherly milk cows like the Bible says, and let's put them under a heavy yoke. And let's uh, let's tie the, the put the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart 
and let's see if, if, if it's God's will, amen, if it's God that's punishing us, then God will allow, God will cause the motherly cows, amen, to go against all the laws of nature. And with everything that's inside of that cow, amen, it's wanting to go back and it's wanting to nurture and to take care of that baby cow. But if it's God, if it's from the Lord, it will defy the laws of nature and it will be on the straight path. And the Bible says that the Philistines, they, they, they found the two milk kind. They found the two motherly milk cows. And they put a yoke upon their back. And they tied them, amen, to a, the Ark of the Covenant that was on a cart. And they pinned up the, the baby cows in another place. And I want to tell you today, amen, that those motherly cows, they heard the groans. They heard the cries of their babies. Amen. How many mothers in here tonight, amen, would leave your child at home alone crying? And just walk away. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us fathers would do that either. We'd say. I got to take care of some business. I got to take care of this crying baby. I got to take care of this. This baby is dying. Unless I come to its defense. Unless I come to its aid. But the Bible says. That these milk cows. Uh, they went down a straight path. To Beth Shemesh. They went down a straight path, not looking to the right, not looking to the left. Amen. But they had their mind made up. I've got to do the will of God. Amen. I don't know. God spoke through a donkey one time. Perhaps God also spoke to these cows and said, I want you to go to Beth Shemesh. And I want you to forget about your cows at home if it were possible. And I just want you to take the presence of God from from the land of the Philistines to the place where the, the Israelites are. I want you, you're on a mission from God. Amen. These cows were, they had a higher purpose than any other milk cow. Amen. They were not just created, amen, these particular milk kind were not just created to produce some milk in a jug and to provide for some little kid's cereal on a Sunday morning. But these milk cows, they had a higher purpose and their purpose was to take the presence of God back to the people of God. And I want to talk to you today about, amen, doing the will of God. Amen. Sometimes doing the will of God, it goes against everything that you, you feel on the inside. Sometimes doing the will of God is against your human nature. Sometimes doing the will of God, it is in contradistinction to your own desires and your own whims. Amen. Doing the will of God sometimes is harder than you imagine. And the Bible says that these calves, these cows, the Bible says in verse number 12, And the kind took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went. Amen. Lowing as they went. Another translation tells us that it was bellowing as they went. The cows were crying as they went. Amen. They were moaning within them. Everything within them was saying, my babies are at home, but I can't take care of them. I've got to do what God's told me to do. I can't give in to my own instincts and my own nature. I've got to put that on the second I've got to put that on the back burner. It's got to become secondary. Amen. I want to tell you today, amen, that everything else in your life must be secondary to the will of God in your life. I want to preach through the abundant life center on a Wednesday night. Amen. Doing the will of God is the most important thing in your life. Hallelujah. Everything else is secondary. Everything else pales in comparison to doing the will of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish I had somebody that believed that tonight. Amen. That doing the will of God is the most important thing in your life. Amen. It's not appeasing flesh. It's not appeasing friends. Amen. But it's obeying the commandment of the Lord. I've got to do His will. No matter the cost. Whatever it costs. Whatever the pain I've got to endure. The Bible says they were lowing as they went. They went in one direct course without de deviating from it. Amen. These cows, they didn't stop. Amen. For pasture along the way to Beth Shemesh. But they made a beeline, if you will. They went straight. Amen. They were on the straight and the narrow. The Bible says it was a straight path. Amen. And doing the will of God. Amen. Will cause you to be on the straight and narrow. Amen. Sometimes there's... God wants to present you with an opportunity to be blessed. God wants to present you with the opportunity.
with Him, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cause you to deny self. Amen. To put sometimes even family on the back burner. Just like this story. Hey, sorry I cannot attend your birthday party on Sunday morning. I'm going to be in church. Yes. Sorry, buddy, I can't attend. Amen. To what you've got going on here. Amen. Jesus comes first. Amen. There's been many times, amen, as I was growing up that we had invitations to go to many of the functions. And our family that wasn't in church always liked to do it on Sunday morning. Really. Of all days during the week. Saturday is pretty good. But you picked Sunday morning. And now you're going to guilt me into not, into showing up. The Bible says that these cows were lowing as they went. Sometimes the only way you can do the will of God is on your face crying before the Lord. Saying, God, this hurts me a lot, God. God, this doesn't feel good. God, I don't like the way this is making me feel, but God, I, you, you spoke a word to me. You told me that I am to do X, Y, and Z, God, so I am going to obey the commandment of the Lord. And God, it hurts so bad, but God, I'm taking my burdens before the Lord and I'm putting them at your feet, Lord. These cows were lowing as they went, bellowing, crying as they went about doing the will of God. Nevertheless, their continual bellowing showed the great stress that was laid upon their nature in being thus compelled to separate themselves from their calves. Amen. God was separating them from their calves that they would do His will. God rules over the instincts of the beasts of the field just like He does everything else in this world. God is all-powerful. Here the milk cows going away from their young, unaccustomed to the yoke, without a guide. There was no, there was no individual, no man, boy, girl, woman, walking in front of these cows, leading them. The Bible says they just simply strapped the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, tied it to the, the yoke, put the yoke on the back of the cows, and said, let's see what happens. They didn't have any direction. Except God, no doubt, put a word in those cows' minds. That's the only way that this could have taken place. Amen. Sometimes, in spite of how you feel, in spite of the circumstances and situations, and the predicament you find yourself in, if you will yoke yourself up to the word of God, if you'll yoke yourself up to the word from the Lord, Amen. You can accomplish some monumental task. Amen. These cows, the higher purpose, amen, was restoring the presence of God to the people of God. Hallelujah. They were without guide or driver or direction, and yet instinctively, as it were, traveling on with their burden to the distance, as a few commentators said, a distance of eight miles at least. It was about eight miles at minimum and neither once missing their way. They didn't get lost. They didn't stop and seek food, but they were bellowing as they went, lowing as they went, by which they expressed their desire for their young, yet never once attempting to turn back to their own home until that they had accomplished the service to which they were yoked. Amen. The most important thing for these cows lives was to complete the mission. Amen. Was to obey the full commandment of the Lord. Amen. I don't know. Maybe God's spoken to you something in time past. Or maybe God's speaking to somebody here tonight about what he wants from your life. What he wants you to do with your life. And as long as you resist and you fight the will of God. And you say I'm not going to submit myself. Amen. To that dictator of a pastor. Amen. I'm just going to do what I think is right. And I'll show up when I want to show up. Amen. I'll do the things. I'll do it the way I want to do. God said take a straight path. To Beth Shemesh, well, I'll just stop off over here in Jericho and I'll sightsee a little bit. Maybe I'll get to Beth Shemesh 
in a couple of days behind schedule. Amen. God did not say that to the cows. Amen. But their commandment was to go straightway to Beth Shemesh. Amen. God did not leave it up to their interpretation how they were to submit to the will of God. How they were to obey the word of God. Amen. But God gave them a specific word to go to Beth Shemesh. Don't stop. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Amen. But accomplish what I've told you to do. And these cattle, unaccustomed to the yoke, amen, without any driver, they left their home, which all creatures have a natural inclination for. And from their own calves, to which they had a natural affection. And without any driver, they took that straight road to Beth Shemesh. They never turned aside into the fields to feed themselves, nor turned back home to feed their calves. They went on lowing or bellowing for their young ones. Amen. The power of God of nature therefore appears so much greater in overruling one of the strongest instincts of nature. Amen. Just like the spider would give itself, amen, so that its young spiderlings can can survive and can and can grow and thrive and flourish. And just like the elephant kingdom, amen, will do everything in their power to protect the young, amen. These cows similarly have that same desire to go back and to take care of baby calves at home. Take care of the home life. Take care of this. Family comes first, Jesus. Not so. I come first. God comes first. Sometimes we get things mixed up and we think, well, family first. It's God first. Lest we forget, it's God first. Family comes second. God comes first. And until you learn that you're not going to, you're going to struggle all your all your walk with God. Some people they come to church and they think, well, I could serve God second, take care of family first. Because after all, in the world, family first, right? Family comes first. No. Family comes second. God comes first. And some for some of us that's a hard pill to swallow. That family comes second and God comes first. But God wants to shift, amen, some people's paradigms. God wants to shift some people's perception of what is most important in our lives. And I would tell you tonight that doing the will of God, as these cows with the higher purpose did, doing the will of God is not always convenient. It wasn't convenient for the mother cows to leave home with babies crying at home. Was it convenient for them? But they had to obey the word of God. They had to obey the commandment of the Lord. They had to obey and do the will of God. It's not always easy to be faithful to church. It's not always convenient. In fact, sometimes it could be a great inconvenience. But when you put God first, when you put God first, God will provide. God will take care. For several months of my life, when I lived in Fremont, I would take, I would drive my car down to the BART station, which was about, you know, five, ten minutes away. Then I'd hop on BART and take BART an hour into San Francisco, into the downtown area, work all day. Work gets over at 4.30 or 5. I would hop on a bus out the front door take it to the train in South San Francisco and take that train to Santa Clara, get picked up at Santa Clara, eat a quick bite to eat, and go to church. You say, well, you're crazy. No. God comes first. I don't care if it's an inconvenience for me. I'm going to make it there somehow, some way. I, I can't tell you that I, you know, walked uphill in the snow backwards without with bare feet and all those things and and I walked for days. No, but I experienced different things that were sometimes difficulties, hardships, to test my resolve. When it's hard, you can live for God. When it's difficult, there were times, amen, when I was working at Office Depot years ago in the uh, early 2000s, that it was Wednesday night, and I had a particular boss. His name was Jose. Jose would always try to get me to work overtime. On church nights. And a few times I had to tell him straight up, I'm leaving right now. I'm going to church. And you can fire me if you want to, 
But I'm, let me remind you, I'm your best worker. And the only way I stay a best worker and I stay a top producer is me going to church. This is where I get my strength. This is where I, this is where I, get, I get the element uh, that God can sustain me. And I can be a better employee. So with that, Jose, see you later. And I would walk out the door. And many times he was uh, mad, upset with me. But I worked my tail off. And I stood my ground. And I said, I'm going to church. And that's just the bottom line. Now, that's not to say I've never missed church in my life. There were times and you know, I'm out of town working or whatnot. And I couldn't make it. But it's the will of God. I knew it's the will of God for me to be in church. It's the will of God for me to be in service. And it's not going to always be easy, but it's the will of God. And if those cows could do the will of God in leaving their young, that they might do the will of God, I can do the will of God. It's the will of God that I am faithful in my tithe and offerings. And there's been times where I've had to do without that I might pay my tithe and say, hey, we're going to live on what's in the cupboard for the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to give my tithing unto the Lord. And God has blessed. It's the will of God for us to be a holy people. When everybody else dresses the way they want to, does the things they desire, goes here and goes there, and here I am. I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's not always convenient, but I made a commitment. God, I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to submit myself to the will of God. It's the will of God that I pray every day. It's the will of God that I read my Bible every day. And there are times, amen, you and I both know that it's inconvenient to read your Bible and to pray. But it's nonetheless necessary. If you've got to fall asleep reading your Bible, then by all means, fall asleep reading your Bible. You've got to fall asleep on the couch praying. Then you fall asleep on the couch praying, but you pray. That's the will of God. And sometimes it's not easy. It's hard. But it's the will of God. It's the will of God that you busy yourself in the work of the kingdom. Amen. I will conclude with a few more things here. Amen. That God wants us to go forward in him. Amen. I feel that strongly in my spirit tonight. God wants this church to continue to go forward. Amen. We should not be a stagnant, complacent group of people, but we should always be reaching for more. God, what do you have in store for me? What do you got in store for my family? God, what lies ahead in our church? God, I want to reach for more. I want to attain for more. Amen. I want to go forward in God. And these cows with the higher purpose were going forward. Amen. They were going forward. And sometimes, amen, it was difficult. Amen. They were lowing as they went. The the cows at home were were crying and screaming. But they were saying, I've got to do the will of God, whatever it costs me. I've got to do his work. I've got to obey the word of God. And sometimes friends or family will tell you that's not necessary. Hey, your pastor's asking you for too much. Hey, that's not required. That's not found in the Bible. Hey, but I want to tell you there's an element of sacrifice. God, I'm giving myself to you. I'm laying my life on an altar. I would tell you, amen, that as you continue reading this story, those mother cows never came home. They never came home. It's a cruel story. No, it's not. That's a story of sacrifice and doing the will of God. Because the Bible says that when the cows brought the Ark of the Covenant on the cart to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, that they sacrificed the cows. They made an altar with the with the yoke. They made an altar with the cart and they put the cows on top of that and they sacrificed them to the Lord. Worship. Worship sometimes is costly. I worship you, God, when I don't feel like it. The time during the week you feel it the most is Wednesday night like tonight. I've been there so many times. I come on a Wednesday night. God, I'm tired. Yeah, maybe... 
They don't understand. I've been working physical job all day. I'm wore out. But God, I'm going to slip up a hand. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to forget about, God, all the things that have happened. I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to put that yoke upon my back. The word of God, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You shall find rest for your souls. There should be progress. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Your bodies a sacrifice unto God. You say, God only cares about what's on the inside. God only cares about the heart. No, that's not true. God does care about what's on the inside, but God also cares about your outside body, your temple. God cares about your body, a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In case you haven't figured out that I'm preaching about doing the will of God. Doing the will of God is not always easy. But sometimes, many times, it is painful. Many times it causes you to just kind of come up against the grinder. You feel like, man, that doesn't feel good. Man, why, why does he... Talk about that. Why is pastor preaching about that again? Why does this have to happen? Why is God trying to chastise me? God's trying to put me to the grinder. God is working me over. Amen. God's trying to get me to submit my will to him. That he might make something beautiful out of my life. That I might experience the presence of God, Brother Terrence. Like I've never known it before. Amen. The people of God did not experience God's presence like that until, amen, a cow began to say, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice acceptable unto God. Amen. God wants us to present our bodies holy. Amen. A sacrifice unto God. Amen. God wants us to give of ourselves unto Him. And your body is connected to the will of God. God cares how you treat your body Amen. How you live your life. Galatians 1 and 4. Who gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father. God also gave his life for us. Let me remind you tonight. That, that those milk cows. Not the only ones in scripture. That had to die out to self. That they might do the will of God. Jesus in the garden. Gave that prayer. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If you could make the parallel, Jesus was bellowing. He was crying. The Bible says it was as though it were great drops of blood. He was struggling to do the will of God. And yet he said, I'm going to nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. God, it's going to be a painful road the next 24, 48 hours. But God, committed. I'm committed. And if I will give myself, amen, the will of God can be accomplished. And that must be our prayer to doing the will of God. Sometimes we hear a preaching or a message and we think, I don't like that. Mm. I don't like that. I don't agree. But yet it's coming under that yoke. God, I don't see it just yet as the pastor's preaching the scripture, but God, that yoke is upon me. And God, I'm going to accomplish your will. I'm going to submit myself to the preached word of God that I might do the will of God, that I might experience the presence of God in my life like I have never known before. It's 1 John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The musicians could come. 
Amen. Doing the will of God. Amen. Is yoking yourself up to a higher purpose. A bigger plan than what you or I realize. We think, well, I'm just showing up to church. I'm just showing up to outreach. I'm just showing up to prayer. Not a big deal. You're yoking yourself up. You're saying, God, put that yoke on me, God. I'm going to commit a day of fasting and prayer to the Lord. God, put that yoke on me. God, it's going to be a day probably where I've got a headache, a migraine. It's going to be a day, God, where perhaps I can't think or I don't feel good. It's going to be a, a day where I'm going to go out knocking doors and my feet are going to hurt after. I don't know. God, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do his will. If we could stand to our feet today. Back in 2010, I married the lovely Shannon Erickson. She is, she is beautiful. She was beautiful. She still is beautiful. She's more beautiful now. But I married Shannon Erickson. She became Shannon Camarita. And uh, at the time, I was not making hardly any money. I think I, actually during our engagement, I lost my job. And I was thinking, do I call out the engagement? <laughs> like, this is a one. I know it is, but what do I do? And finally got a temporary job, making a few few bucks an hour, not much, but it was temporary. I didn't have any permanence with the job, but my wife did. She had a permanent job, and uh, we tried to figure out a way, a solution that uh, we could both continue working on our jobs and uh, how we could make it work. And uh, we're started out the conversation finding let's find a halfway point between Lathrop and San Jose where she lived and we started looking in Dublin Pleasanton Livermore and the apartments out there were really expensive and uh, also the commute would be farther for her uh, and we ended up deciding on Fremont we said we'll live in Fremont we found a Nice one-bedroom, one-bath apartment, 600 under 600 square feet, paying I think 1,200 bucks a month. I was like eight years ago, and uh, we lived there for for a short while, for a few years. And during that time, we would go to church in San Jose during the week, and then we would, we were trying to come out here with my father, as he was a pastor for many years on Sundays and it started out we would come I think every other Sunday or something or once it was once a month and it was every other month and then finally we had to as we were seeking to know the will of God amen and my job would move us my job would move uh, back to the Bay Area and uh, it seemed like for a time there uh, I wouldn't be able to come to church here and help my father and that my heart has been here for for many years. And during that time in my life, uh, many times in prayer, I felt like this story of the cows with a higher purpose. My heart was here with my parents, helping them dig out of work for God. And yet I was in the Bay Area helping a bigger church that they were fine. They were okay. And I want to be here. And I remember many times praying, God, why do you have me here, God? Why do I have to be here in San Jose? Why can't I be there helping my father? Doing the will of God it was painful. I remember many times saying, God, I'm just going to submit myself to your will. God, if, if nothing is working out where I can go home right now, my job is here, my home is here, my wife's job is here. Everything's in a big area. And there I am. And I can't make it out anymore. And so I would pray. God, help my father, my mom, my, my family. Help them in the church. And I'd come out as I could. 
But I felt this story of the cows getting me. I said, God, I want to do, I want to go here, God. I want to be with my family. But God, you got me way over here, God. That doesn't make sense. But I'm going to submit myself. And God, I know you have a higher purpose and a higher plan. And I still for a while thought, well, we'll just, you know, be a few years, we'll come back. And it ended up being longer than I thought initially. But when it was time, amen, God worked it out where we were able to come home, if you will, and and do what we're doing today. But there was many years, many nights in prayer while I was crying, God, I, I want to be there, God, but you got me here. And I don't understand, God. But I'm submitting myself. And there's some in this house tonight, no doubt, that God is speaking to you about doing more for him. But you said, no. And you've told God no so many times that God stopped asking. But I want to remind you, God wants to use your life. God wants to work in somebody's life in this church. But it takes you coming to an altar and on your knees, on your face before God, saying, God, I submit myself. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm not going to put my family first. I remember the day when Brother Nathan came, came back to God. It's been a few years now. I remember seeing him hit his knees on the altar right here and reach out to God, submit himself. God wants to do that for somebody here tonight. God wants somebody to make their way to an altar tonight and just say, God, I'm just going to submit myself. Whatever you have, God, whatever you ask of me, they're going to sing. Amen. I want us to lift our hands. And if you feel, amen, God drawing you to this altar, I want you to come. Come on. If you feel like God is speaking to you tonight to submit yourself to him, I want you to come. I want you to just lay some things on the altar today and say, God, I am submitting myself to you, God. God, there are some decisions that I've got to make, God, that they're going to cost me something. It's painful, God. God, it's hard to do, but God, I will submit myself to doing the will of God. Come on, I believe that there's more today, amen, that you've got to come and you've got to just simply lay it on the altar and say, God, it's yours. God, I'm going to put everything else secondary, everything else on the back burner, God, of the list of priorities that you might take precedence. God, I submit myself to you, Lord. Come on, why don't you lift a hand to God? Why don't you talk with Him right where you are? Come on, amen. Let's, everybody needs to be reached out to God right now. Amen. Right now could be a defining moment in somebody's life where they say, God, I'm putting it in your hands. God, it's, it goes against my flesh. It goes against my nature. But God, I'm submitting myself. God, I'm crying. God, I'm bellowing. I'm lowing, God. God, I'm moaning as I do the will of God. I'm doing it to God. I'm submitting myself. Oh, let the Holy Ghost talk right now. Come on, somebody needs to let the Holy Ghost talk to them right now. There's a higher level of commitment that you can experience. There is a higher level of commitment and consecration that God has for this church. Amen. When they submit themselves wholeheartedly, a full thrust to doing the will of God. Oh, come on. Come on, we need to push. We need to 
Hallelujah. Come on, let's be close. Can we sing that to the Lord? 